The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph Lord, in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio. We use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied occupied state of South Carolina. The editor at SignsLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here this morning. If you would like to check us out online, please do so, SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio, and you'd like to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio, head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, right side, well... Right side of the two videos that are up there on the top of the page. Uh, right side is the morning show. Click on that and play it. You should get a live feed there and uh, blow it up on whatever device you've got. And then click on the rumble um, icon in the bottom right. And you should be able to go over to uh, rumble and join in the chat there. We also have a um, place where you can congregate all together. Everybody on all the platforms in the chat, if you want to do that, not everybody wants to do it, and that's fine, but that's in Discord. I just dropped that into the chat, 
and then uh, you know Rumble is obviously our our main hub there uh, that we're streaming to. But we're also on BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page there. DLive.tv, lots of friends over there at The Sons of Liberty. We're on over there. And then uh, also on Twitch at Setting Brushfires. And um, what else do we have? Roku. Yep, we're on Roku. If you're on Cutting Edge TV over there on Roku, yep, we're on over there too. And uh, so join us in those, and we appreciate all your support. And yeah, the left side of the page is Bradley's show from yesterday. He did get some bugs ironed out, so everything's looking good there. You can check that out. That'll be there till 3 o'clock at which time he goes live. That's on the left side of the page, top of it, on sonsoflibertymedia.com. Um, this week, uh, by the way, if you want to support us, you can do so. Um, there's a donate button at the top of the page. Click on that, make a one-time donation, or partner with us as monthly as a son or daughter of Liberty. That link is also live. And then also our store is available. This week we're highlighting our Dangerous Freedom T-shirts. These have uh, very colorful on the front. Um, Thomas Jefferson, I prefer Dangerous Freedom over Peaceful Slavery. These Now look, these are great conversation starters. Okay, they they are. And all, you know, these designs, these shirts and things come from you. I mean, you say, hey, I'd like to have a shirt with this, that, and all. You know, we're not a big production company for that stuff, so it takes a little time to get some things out. But you guys asked for this. Um, you've asked for long sleeves. You've got long sleeves here. So from anywhere from 20 to $27, depending on whether you got short or long sleeve, and what size you get, uh, is 20 to $27. This week only, we're offering... Uh, these shirts for ten percent off when you use the promo code Resist in our store. Not Resist, Liberty, uh, in our store. Use the promo code Liberty that gets you ten percent off. That's through Saturday at midnight. So be sure and uh, pick one of those up if that's what you're if that's what you got your your mind set on uh, is getting one of these shirts. And they are nice and they're high quality too. Uh, Bradley doesn't do anything second rate. Uh, so yeah, be sure to check those out. A couple of things here before we get into what we're going to talk about this morning, and it is going to be theological in nature. Okay. Not that anything that we say here doesn't have theology behind it. I'm not saying that. But it's one of those shows where we're going to go through the Scripture, and I'm going to show you these things in hopes in hopes that God will tear down strongholds in people's minds who are hearing me. Okay? Um, I can't do that. But the Spirit of God can do it because He's more powerful than any of us. Uh, he is the one who breathes the breath of life into men. And uh, so I believe he can do that, and I believe he can use his word to do that. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning in just a little bit. Now, if you're if you're paying attention, again, we have headlines here in um, at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. I've got a couple of videos I'm going to play before we get into that. But uh, this one was out from Bradley, uh, his latest, though... Though your federal government is trying to create a world without God, and they are trying to do that. I mean, could you—let me ask you something. Could you ever imagine—now, I'm 53. Could you ever imagine, even before, say, 2000, could you imagine sodomites in position in, in, in offices? Could you imagine Muslims in positions of authority? Could you imagine a man who is so vile and twisted and perverted that he would be appointed to a position in a cabinet where he is 
taking care of other men that are dressed like leather-clad dogs. I, 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 for the life of me, I can't, I can't imagine. I, but it's the reality that we're facing right now. Could you imagine a man who looks like Fred Flintstone with a blonde wig on uh, as a health person in a particular state, I think it was Pennsylvania, and now he is up in the health and human services in the federal government? Could you imagine something like that? Well, I'm going to show you something in a minute. It's just, you'll see why God said these people ought to be stoned. And I mean that, by the way. I mean that's what he said. I didn't come up with that idea. That's God's idea. And that's justice. I'm going to show you that in a minute. But these people are here to do this. And Bradley says, I'm here to remind you that will never happen. You're not going to have a world without God. Why? Because you're not able to destroy God. And I could tell you what I think about the whole alien cover story that they're giving, that even conservatives and quote-unquote Christians are buying into. I think it's demonic. I don't think it has anything to do with foreign life, intelligent life, and all this other. It has to do with that. And they're setting people up to war against God. Not that they aren't already doing that, but openly to do it. Also, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Billions of GMO mosquitoes which Bill Gates approves of, by the way, and which he says can be used to deliver his vaccines, are set to be released in California and Florida despite health concerns. I thought, you know, we had a guy on um, from down in Lee County who ran a... I mean, they had a whole little division that dealt with the mosquito problem. They had a whole division of, of the police force that dealt with mosquitoes. Now they're going to release mosquitoes? What in the world is going on up in here? Ah, and the people don't want it either. Most of them don't even, most of them don't even know that they're going to do it. Okay? SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. This is from our friend Suzanne Hamner. Maryland State uh, Senate Bill 669 legalizes infanticide. Listen to this up to 28 days after birth. This is not the onion, folks. This is not Babylon B. It, I, it was it just a few years ago that everybody was so horrified at what uh, Gosnell was doing in his little shop of horrors up there? And now we've got these knuckleheads, these God-haters up here, and he, I would say man-haters too, in Maryland, in the Senate, who want to legalize, they don't just want to legalize, and I hate that term legalize because I don't, I think we ought to be talking about lawful. I think legal is this this idea that tries to cover up what is unlawful. Okay? They don't want to just legalize murdering the babies in the womb. They want to give you a month to murder that baby after it's been born. You, you see, we warned you that this was coming. Some idiot will put out that it'll be, well, let's just give them two years. After all, what is the argument in Roe v. Wade? The, the infant is not viable, right? In other words, it can't survive on its own. Well, yeah, every baby that's born is like that. How about if you get in a wreck and you become a quadriplegic? How about if you're completely paralyzed and 
you lose the faculties to be able to use your mouth to chew food or to swallow or any of that. Are you now not viable? Well, of course. How many of you have older parents that you're to care for, by the way? The Bible says that you're to care for, you're to honor them. That doesn't mean, oh, you're such a great mom. It means you're to care for them. Honor is where we get the term honorarium. You're to care for them when they get older. I was joking with my son-in-law the other, other night about something, and I said, he said, oh, you know, I did this and that. And I said, don't worry about it. I said, when I get old and you have to change my diapers or something like that, and that'll be payback, right? <laughs> Hopefully it won't, it won't be like that. But you, you get what I'm saying. We're to honor them. And yet, here they're wanting to allow mothers or fathers to murder their babies up to 28 days, almost a month later after they're born. You people up in Maryland, you're, you're asking God to bring judgment on you. You really are. You really are. Uh, also, SonsLibertyMedia.com, a FOIA request reveals a Biden admin paid $1 billion to corporate media outlets to push COVID vaccines, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. And former CBS Health Watch reporter, this is John Rappaport, catches CDC and the FDA with a smoking gun in hand. Look, they, they've been caught <laughs> a long time. It really is time to bring some justice on some people's heads. And I, for the life of me, I can't understand how there is no one in a position of authority who has some guts to bring about some arrests. I I just I don't have I I don't get it I really don't. This came through this morning. This is uh, Pete Buttigieg's sodomite. I'm not even going to you know I use the title husband, but his sodomite. Uh, how shall we say this? Penetrator. Let's put it that way. This is him. He is leading a sodomite camp for young people. I want you to listen. To what this reprobate has to say. L- listen, listen to what he's leading these kids in. Listen to it and tell me this is child abuse. It's criminal. This is a guy who needs a rock party too, along with Pete. They need to just take both of them out there. This is what needs to happen. All right, I pledge my heart, pledge my heart. To, the to the rainbow of the not so typical gay camp. Of the not so typical gay camp. One camp. One camp. Full of pride. They wave the rainbow flag around and they're leading these kids. You know, what is mom and dad doing? Seriously. If you say, well, I love my kid. Well, if you love your kid, tell them the truth and correct them. The Bible says pride goes before a fall. They're, oh, pride. They call them pride parades. It is thumbing your nose in the face of God and say, no, 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 no. I'll do whatever I want to do. Forget you. Of course, they use different language. But that's what this is. This is Sodom. This is what Sodom was doing. This is why even though angels struck the men with blindness who came out to rape the angels... They wearied them. It only made them weary themselves to find the door handle to try to get in the house. 
Same thing happened over there in Judges chapter 19. Those men at least had some desire for a woman. I mean, they pitched a concubine out to her and they took her, but this is what this is. Guys, this is not only dangerous physically, this is dangerous spiritually. They are leading these kids to hell. They're going to hell themselves, and they're leading their kids to hell too. Utter destruction. That's what they're leading them to. One more before we get into uh, what we're talking about. And I, I, I saw this yesterday, uploaded it to the Rumble channel. And, um, wow, oh, I didn't even realize. <laughs> Man, there's a lot of comments on there that I, I wasn't expecting. But <clears throat> um, this young man is in New York City. Okay, He was in New York City. He's got a little microphone. He's got a little speaker box in his hand. And... Uh, you guys on the radio, you're going to hear it, but you're not going to see some of the stuff. As he is out there preaching the true gospel, calling the people to repentance, they're walking up, they're punching him. He got a cut on his finger. I don't know how that happened. They're shoving him. They're pushing. This is in the middle of Times Square in America. Okay? Take a listen to what this young man um, is doing. And, of course, he's, you guys watching, uh, he's at the bottom. He's going to talk about it at the end, but uh, check it out. Warning, New York. Yo, yo, this is her rap. Guys, that was me preaching in New York City Times Square. I got harassed, I got punched, I got cut, and they broke our mics. They try to break our speakers just because we're preaching Jesus Christ. We're telling people that Jesus loves them, that they need to repent of their sins or else they'll end up in hell. And they didn't want to hear that. That's what happens when you preach the gospel because it's the truth. It's the only thing that can save your soul from hell, but the world hates it. Amen. Amen, brother. And that's the true gospel. See, the true gospel calls men from their sin, from their lawlessness, breaking God's law. It calls them from that. And here's this young man going out there in the middle of Times Square, calling men to repentance. And you guys saw it. I'll have this up in the archive for those of you in the radio audience. The people pushing him, um, taking swings at him, breaking his mic, as he said, all of this. And Why? Because he calls men to repentance. Stop doing what you're doing. See, the world wants to say, only God can judge me, as though they'll never meet God, and you have no say-so in it as his ambassadors, which we are. And that's right, only God will judge them. There's no question about that. But they don't really want that. They don't really want him to judge them. And then they'll say, oh, you without sin cast the first stone. They pull that completely out of context because nobody's got a, nobody's, no, that I know of goes out to preach the gospel with rocks in their pocket. Even when I said these guys need to be stoned, I'm re- referring back to the law of God, and I'm referring through due process that you prosecute these people and you bring them to a swift justice. I'm not saying go out there as a mad crowd and just start killing people. I'm not saying that at all. I believe in due process. 
And then I also believe in a just punishment. And in that just punishment, I believe in holding to what God said should be a just punishment. Now, with that said, my friend Georgia, uh, she sends me all kinds of stuff, and I'm very appreciative of it. I really am, uh, along with some other people. But she said, I believe this is really missing. This was after the show the other day that I did, and, um, and it's dealing with the fact that God is sovereign in drawing men to himself, in saving men, in sanctifying men, in glorifying men. In fact, he's more sovereign than that. He is sovereign over every single thing that exists in the world. Everything. You say, how can that be, Tim? How, I mean, how how is God sovereign over, I don't know, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, any of these people? How is he sovereign? Well, let me ask you this. If God is not sovereign over them, over every word that comes out of their mouth, every action that they take, or anything that they do, then are they somehow sovereign over God? Is is that your position? Is that what you hold to? Oh, well, they have free will. No, no, we're going to see about that in just a minute. That our will is bound. It is either bound to sin or it's bound to righteousness. It can only be bound to righteousness if Christ sets us free to be bound to righteousness. See, we're going to be a slave one way or another, if you want to use that term. And in both instances, the slave does exactly what he wants to do. If you are still in your sins, you are doing exactly what you want to do. That's why you do it. If you're committing a if you're committing adultery, you're doing it because your heart desires adultery. If you're stealing, it's because you desire somebody else's things. You covet. That's another commandment that's there. That's the one that's not really action oriented. That's the one that is internal. That's the one that Paul says got him. Cuz outside he was keeping all the other stuff. If you desire to murder, well, that's happening in the heart, isn't that? Isn't that what Jesus said? He said, oh, yeah, you're, if you hate your brother in your heart without a cause, you've committed murder. Maybe you're an idolater. I've seen a lot of that over the political spectrum, both those who worshipped Obama and those who worshipped Trump. Maybe you're a person who has set other gods up. Maybe you've made graven images. You know, we talked the other day about the money that they brought to Jesus. It's interesting how Jesus says you can't serve God and money. You'll love one and hate the other. And they were they were committing idolatry with it. It's not that money was bad in and of itself, but you even see it when they take Jesus uh, and Pilate has him before them, and they said, no, 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 we have no king but Caesar. We have no king but Caesar. Take this man and crucify him. These are the same people that a week earlier had said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the son of David. This is the prophesied one. Same people. Bunch of fickled people. So what do we see here? Well, let's take a look. Um, one of the passages that uh, is most interesting to me is uh, comes out of John chapter 6. So if you guys are out there and you you know you want you like to look up things and go follow along then that's fine i'm going to show it on the screen here but um one of the things that when i became a new christian uh i knew something had happened to me that i couldn't explain i, I really couldn't 
It was like it came out of nowhere. I wasn't looking for it. Um, and it was something that God did in me. And I was told by my friends, read the Gospel of John. So I did. And, um, you know, I, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. But I, I read. Some things I understood. Some things I didn't. And, uh, but it became apparent the more I read, the more I began to understand and ask certain questions that my friends, um, who were in the Southern Baptist Convention at the time, and, and they're still my friends, um, I began to question things that they were saying based on, one, my experience, and also what I was reading in Scripture, because the Scripture was siding with what I had experienced. So, when you go to John chapter 6, one of the first things that you see is when you start at the first... And we're not going to start right there. We're going to jump about middle, well, about third, a third of the way down. But one of the first things you see is Jesus does this miracle, and he feeds people, and he multiplies bread and fish. And uh, of course, the idea of the fish there is not, you know, they got this big tilapia or something like that and some bread. The idea is the fish has been made like a um, uh, condiment, if you will, to be used on the bread. Okay, so the people get their fill. And everything. And then Jesus heads off. Okay? He goes away from them. Him and his disciples go away from him. And the people are going around looking looking for him because they're hungry again. So all they can think about is their stomachs. Okay? So we come over to John chapter 6 and verse 24, and here's what we read. Um, actually, let's uh, look at verse 22. The day following, when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was none other boat there, save that one whereinto his disciples were entered, and that Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples were gone away alone, howbeit they came other, there came other boats from Tiberias nigh unto the place where they did eat bread. After that the Lord had given thanks. And when the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping. And came to Capernaum, seeking for Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Now listen to his response. Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you. It means truly, truly, I say unto you. Ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Ye just had hungry bellies. You guys want more bread and fish sticks. That's what you want. That's what you want from me. You want to consume it upon your own lust. That's what. Remember what James, we read that the other week. James, um, this chapter 4 where he's talking about that. Okay? Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat, meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. So he starts talking to them about spiritual things here, doesn't he? Don't labor for... It's kind of like the woman at the well, where they're talking about the issue of um, uh, water. And she says, give me this water that I won't thirst again. And she's thinking a physical drink. All right? She's thinking a physical drink. And he goes, no, 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 no I'm, not, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> when you take this water, you'll never thirst again. And out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Okay? Fresh water that's supplied. So listen to how they listen to how they respond. Verse 28. 
And they said unto him, What shall we do, that we might work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God. Are you listening, guys? Okay. This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he has sent. There's a him and a he here. Who's he talking about? Believe on him. Who's the him here? That's Jesus. That's the speaker. Whom he, that's God the Father, hath sent. The work of God is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe the words that he says and believe in the work that he accomplished. That's what he's saying to these people. Don't believe I can feed you with fish sticks and bread, okay? Believe in me. Verse 30. And they said therefore unto him, What signs showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. Okay, they ate some bread. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. So you see, Jesus has taken something here that they all know about, the manna that, that, that their forefathers woke up and it was on the ground, it was already ready for them, it was sweet like honey. Oh, you could eat your fill of it. And he's saying, that's just a picture of me. That's just a picture of me. That's the kind of food that I give, is myself. And we're going to see that in just a minute. He goes on and he says, For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven. Now what did he just tell us? Who's the he here? It's Jesus, right? And giveth life unto the world. How do you like that? Jesus is the life giver of the world. And they said, Lord, evermore give us this bread. See, they aren't getting it. They're stuck on the, the, the loaves and the fishes thing. Right? They're, they're, they're not getting that he's talking about himself. And he's not talking about cannibalism. That's not what he's talking about. Okay, some people charge early Christians with uh, cannibalism because of the Lord's table, in which you partake of wine, you partake of bread, which is representative of the body and and blood of Christ, that He gave His life for His people. And so Jesus has to correct them. Verse thirty-five, and Jesus said to them, "I am the bread of life. I am. This is not some." pastry that you cook up on the fire here. It's me. I'm the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. There's that reference back to him being the water of life. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. You saw the miracles. You ate, you ate of the miracles. But you don't believe. You just want more food to fill your hungry bellies. It's a roundabout way of saying you're a bunch of selfish people. Verse 37, all that the thought, listen to this, and this is where I got in trouble with friends early on as a Christian and saying, well, wait a minute, Jesus sounds like he's saying something here that's different from what you guys are telling me he's saying. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about men who come to him. 
and they come to him in faith, okay? Because the Father is the one giving those men to Christ. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Now that's good news, isn't it? If you desire Christ, if you really desire Christ, you have that desire because God the Father put it there in your heart. And you will go to him. You will. Because you'll want to. And when you do, what does Jesus say about it? I'm not going to kick you out. I'm not going to cast you out. He then goes on and he says this. And this is the, this is verse 39. Or excuse me, verse 38. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me... Listen to this, guys. If you Again, this should be a great... Uh, this should be a great encouragement to anybody who goes and shares the gospel. The weight is not on you to seal the deal. The weight is on you to please God with the message that you give and trust that God's going to do what he's going to do. He says, I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will. This is what Jesus says. Anybody want to know what the Father's will is? Jesus is going to tell you which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me, and remember, whoever he's given, let's back up just a little bit here, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, right? So when Jesus says, this is the Father, uh, that of all which he has given me, I should lose, how many? Nothing. I should lose nothing. But should raise it up again at the last day. So, if the Father gives you to the Son... You will come to the Son, the Son will not cast you out, but you'll be raised up the last day. And verse 40, And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. In fact, Jesus is the resurrection. He said that at the grave of Lazarus. And the Jews then murmured at him, because he had said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? See, they don't understand the nature of Christ. That he's the one who spoke the worlds into existence. All things were made by him, visible and invisible, John 1. He's the God in the beginning. Genesis chapter 1. He's the one who did that. He's the one who came down from heaven and entered into a body that he might save men from their sin. Why? Because men needed a high priest. And they weren't going to get that with an angel. They're going to get that with a man. So this is why you had to have the God-man. The God came into, uh, God the Father made a body for Christ, and Christ entered into that body, and the womb of Mary was born of a virgin, in time, under the law, as Paul writes in the book of Galatians. And so look at what else happens. Jesus therefore answered and said to them, Murmur not among yourselves. Listen to what he says. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I'll raise him up at the last day. 
I had a, a guy I used to work with. We we made plastic uh, dashboards and you know side panels for doors and stuff for uh, Freightliner trucks. And um, we would work early in the morning. <clears throat> I think our shift started at six or whatever until then. And this guy goes, we know I um I, I think that uh, and and this was before I was a Christian. Okay, this I was already reading my Bible. I couldn't tell you what I read because I didn't understand the thing I read. Uh, but I was reading it. You know, I had now I see what God was doing, but then I I couldn't have told you what I was reading. And we would have conversations, and he says, "Well, I believe God's going to always give you that last breath, and that last breath you can turn to Him and blah blah." That's not what Jesus says. And I thought, what a stupid thing to think, what a foolish thing to think. Many people don't even realize they're going to have a last breath. Remember that guy we played the other week down there in Australia, swimming out in the water, and the shark, he's gone like that. There's no last breath. You're gone. Not even expecting it. And so what does Jesus say? He said, no man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. He's talking about ability here. Listen to me, friend. If you're out there and you want to proclaim free will, or maybe you're a Christian, you want to proclaim free will, listen to me very carefully. You need to close your mouth on that subject. He says no man can. That's a word of ability. It's not may. It's not permission. This is why we... We, my mom and dad, I can see it now. My mom and dad would correct my language sometimes of things I would say. You know, hey, can I go to the bathroom? Well, of course you can go to the bathroom. You know you can go to the bathroom. You have the ability to go to the bathroom. The issue is not that. The issue is permission, right? May I go to the bathroom? Or may I have this to eat? Or whatever the case is. There's distinction here as to what men can and cannot do. And no man, no man can come to Christ except the Father draws him. And how does the Father draw him? What we just saw from this young man up in New York City. The preaching of the gospel. The preaching of Christ crucified for sinners and calling them to repentance. That's how men are enabled to come to Christ. And there's distinction even in that. How can men be sitting in the same church or standing in the same Times Square or wherever it is, and some people come to Christ and other people just move on like nothing's happened? Or some people even become enraged and they attack you over it? How can that be? It's because some are being drawn spiritually by the Father and given to the Son. And they willingly want to... It's what we call the new birth, guys. The only reason you come to Him, the only reason you repent, the only reason you are changed is because God does it in you, not because you did something. You do something in response to what God has done for you. What does John say? The disciple that Jesus loved. We love Him, why? Because we're such great spiritual enlightened people? No, because He first loved us. He first loved us. And American churches are not preaching this. They're preaching how to have your best day yet, or, 
you know, how to make a million dollars or how to be a great leader and all the, all these kinds of things, but they're forgetting Christ. They're forgetting Christ. So he goes on and he says this. I'm not even going to get to the rest of the text that I want to get to. Maybe we'll do a second show. I don't know. We'll see. It is written in the prophets, verse 45, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh to me. They cometh to me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God. He hath seen the Father. See, this is where I have a problem with our Mormon friends. They want to say, oh, the Father and the Son appeared to, uh, to Joseph Smith. Well, what does Jesus say? No man's seen the Father. Except me. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. And I know there's some people out there that say, oh, we don't have eternal life. Jesus never said anything about it. Well, he's already said it twice in this passage. We do have everlasting life in him. The one that believeth in him shall never die. They shall never die. And he says... I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness, and they're dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. You can partake of me, and you'll not die. That's what Jesus is saying. I am the living bread. Which, And by the way, that I am passage for our friend who comes in here, and you guys have to be careful of him in uh, on Rumble, someone you trust, it's not someone you can trust. He's a Muslim disguising himself as though he's he's like. He holds us to the same Christ or whatever God, all, all this kind of stuff. He's not. He doesn't understand what Jesus is saying here. This is one of the great I am passages out of John. I am the bread of life. I am that I am. Remember, that's what God told Moses to tell the people who sent him. I am that I am sent you. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Did he do that? Yep, his body was broken on the cross. His blood was poured out on the cross purposefully. It wasn't spilt. You know, when you spill something, that's an accident, right? Jesus didn't spill his blood. He poured it out. He gave his body to be crucified. That was why he came into the world. Read his prayer in John chapter 17. For this purpose I came into the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? See, they're still thinking about bread and fish sticks, feeding their bellies. That, that's what they're thinking about. And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Now, he's not talking about <laughs> cutting him apart, drinking the blood, you know, being vampires, werewolves, what, any of this kind of stuff. He's not talking about that. He's talking about feeding upon him, feed upon his words, feed upon his character, have his righteousness. And he says, For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. We're one. Which is something he prayed for in John chapter 17 again. And the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father. So he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is the bread 
which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead, he that eateth, whew, he that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, said, hey, wait a minute. This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Even they're perplexed by, not that that's unusual either. They're perplexed by what he has to say. And when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said to them, does this offend you? What? And if you see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before, is it the Spirit that quickeneth? The flesh profiteth nothing. Nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. I'm not talking about a physical body here, guys, that you're eating. He's trying to be clear to them. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. Now, he knows Judas, does he? Even when we read that he is choosing them. That was going, you're right, Mr. Wordsworth. Jesus didn't stop them from leaving, but, but there's a reason why, because they've been drawn by the Father. Look, look it goes on to say, he says, um, and he said, therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back. Now, he's not talking about the core group. He's talking about some that were following along with him. Many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. And Jesus said unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? I, I love this. Because this is, this is where my mind and my heart go to. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Now, I don't know if Peter actually gets what's going on here, but look at what he says. Thou hast the words of eternal life. This is what Jesus is talking about. Feeding on him and his words. I'm reminded of Mary and Martha, and Martha's doing all the serving and things. And here's Mary, and Mary's at the feet of Jesus. And Martha's like, Lord, you see I'm doing all this stuff. I'm doing all these things. I got all these guests to take care of. Tell Mary to get up and help me. Nope, she's chosen what is best. And what was that? To sit at the feet of Jesus and to learn, to be fed from him, of him, of who he is. That's what he's talking about. And then Peter concludes, he says, And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus answers him, listen to this, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? And he spake of Jesus, or Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. For it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. So he points that out, right? Now, there is something here, um, and I forgot to bring this one up, and we may go a little over, because I do want to cover these kind of these passages here uh, just a bit, so that, um, you know, we can, we can do this. So, so what is this giving? When did this occur? What, I mean, is this happening somewhere in time? Well, yeah, there's a, there's a place where it takes place in time where men come to Christ, okay? 
But let's go over to Titus chapter 1 and verse 2. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and some people don't like that term, but it's God's election, not man's. And he elects certain people unto life. And he leaves certain people in their sin. He doesn't owe, he doesn't owe sinners um, pardon. He doesn't owe them. He doesn't owe us any, any of us that. So if we're pardoned, if we're in Christ, if we've been clothed in the righteousness of Christ and we've been brought into the family of God, we have nothing to boast of except God, period. That he did that for us. Because the truth of the matter is, we would have continued spitting in his face, doing whatever we wanted to do, until the day of our death and utter destruction would follow. And it would probably be following us in life, too. According to the faith of God's elect, and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. Now, let me ask you a question. God cannot lie, we're told that, and he made a promise before the world began. Who did he promise? Who did God make this promise to about his elect? Uh, Who did he do this with? He did it between the Father and the Son and the Spirit. You know this doctrine as the Trinity. See, God is self-sustaining. When he says, I am that I am, he's saying, I'm the self-existing one. I don't need anybody or anything to exist. I just am. I'm not a, a was, I'm not a will be. I am, I am that I am. And inside that trinity, there is love. That's how it can say, God is love. How do you demonstrate love if there's nobody to demonstrate it with? That's why there are three persons in the Godhead who are the one God. There's not three gods. There's one God in three persons. And this promise was made by the Father to the Son before the world began. And then he goes on and he says, But hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. I mean, he's saying, yeah, this happened in times past, but God's carrying it out in history. And I'm a part of that. Paul's saying, I'm a part of that, of what he was doing that he promised to do before he formed the world. There's some other passages here that I want to get to. Romans chapter 9 is like, I mean, I just, I used to listen to Adrian Rogers, you know, when he was alive. I I like um, many of the things that he taught, but boy, he would rail against these doctrines. And he would go to Romans 9 and completely miss what was being talked about there. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 9, beginning in verse 1. And again, I can sit here and take a long time and pick it apart, you know, and exposit the text and all that other, but it seems pretty clear just reading these texts what's being said. In the context, Paul says this, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ. I wish that I was, as I were, a God-hater, one at war with God, 
for my brethren's sake, my kinsmen according to the flesh, the Israelites who were his countrymen. He says, I, I, I wish I could become accursed from Christ that they might know that they might know him. But he can't do that because God did that in him, right? That's what we've just been reading. These kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises, whose are the fathers and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all God-blessed forever. Did you get that, guys? What did Paul say Christ? Who, who did he say Christ is? God-blessed forever. Amen. Not as though the word of God hath taken no effect, for they are not all Israel, which are Israel. Okay? They're not all Israel, who are, which are Israel. I know some of you people out there, you get caught up in geopolitical little space of land, postage stamp piece of land out there in the Middle East, and say, oh, see, these are God's chosen people. Nonsense. That is not what is going on at all. In fact, the vast majority of them are antichrists. They reject the Christ. Read First and Second John. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. They hold to a doctrine that rejects that God came in the flesh or that Jesus came in the flesh. And so Paul says, they're not all Israel, which are of Israel. And we know this. I mean, look in the Old Testament. You had some wicked kings in Israel, right? You had some wicked people in Israel who were in unbelief. They died in their sins. Jesus had people uh, who went after him, the Pharisees, they went after him. Abraham's our father. Abraham isn't your daddy. Your daddy's the devil. Because if Abraham was your daddy, you'd be doing what Abraham would be doing. You wouldn't be seeking to kill me. So, yeah, there's distinction. All right? This is the difference of being in the covenant and being among the elect. The elect are those in the covenant who have been saved, if you will, from their sin and the wrath of God to come. That's who those people are. There's plenty of people in the covenant who are not elect. They show up at church. They do all that stuff. They don't have the other. Guys, we're going to continue on for just a few minutes. If you want to join us, uh, Red State Talk Radio, join us on Rumble, Sons of Liberty Radio Live, BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com on there too. Don't, don't forget, catch Bradley at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. See you in the morning, Lord willing. Okay, yeah, I got a lot of stuff here, and it's, eh, you know, you read and, eh. Anyway, thank you for hanging on here, and uh, let's, just, let's just jump right to it so we can, we can finish this out. He says, verse 7, and this is Romans chapter 9, for those of you joining us in, Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. See, it doesn't matter who your pedigree is. It doesn't matter who your daddy, your mama, your grandpa was. That has nothing to do with it. But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. Do you see what's going on there? Let me give you, for instance, Isaac becomes the, 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 the son of promise, right? He's the one that God promised and made, and made promises to uh, for Abraham and his wife, Sarah. But Abraham also had another son named Ishmael, right? 
Now, Ishmael was part of the covenant because he received the sign of the covenant. He received circumcision just like Isaac did. Just like the other, remember we read about the servants of his house, 318, uh, a couple of weeks ago, that went after to, to take back Lot from the kings who had captured him? All those guys got circumcised too. Go back and read that in Genesis. They weren't even flesh and blood. They were just part of his household, his servants. They got it too. They were part of the covenant. But only one of those sons was elect. That was Isaac. Ishmael was not elect. God said he would still bless him. There would still be certain blessings on him. But he wasn't among the elect. And then Isaac had two boys, didn't he? Jacob and Esau. And both of them received the sign of the covenant too. They, they received circumcision. Did they not? Yes. But only one of them was elect, and the other was not. Okay? So, that's what's going on. So, we come back into Romans chapter 9, verse 8. That is, They which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. For this is the word of promise, at this time will I come, and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah, okay, this is Isaac's wife, also had conceived by one, even by her father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to, what is that word there? Election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, The elder, that's Esau, will serve the younger, that's Jacob. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. A lot of people have a problem with that. Oh, God doesn't hate. Oh, yeah. There's all kinds of things God hates. He hates hands that shed innocent blood. Isn't that right? Seven things that God hates. Lying tongue. Right? Those that cause division. There's a number of things that God hates. And Esau was worthy of God's wrath, of his hatred. Why? Because Esau took the birthright that was his in the covenant and just gave it away for a bowl of stew. He counted it as not worth anything but to what? Same thing that we saw in John chapter 6. Feed his hungry belly. His belly was his God just like those people were. Verse 14, what shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. No, no way. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Now, check this out. This is going to be strange for some of you. God does not owe anybody compassion or mercy. He owes nobody that. Why? Because everybody has broken his law. Every single person on the planet who's ever lived, who will live, they've broken his law. They're at war with him. He owes none of us anything except justice, which none of us want. And so he says, you know what? If mercy is going to be given, it isn't because somebody earned it, because you can never earn it. Mercy comes outside of the law. The law is there to condemn. Mercy is outside of the law. 
Grace is outside of the law. The law condemns mercy and grace comes to restore us, to make us right with God. This is what this young man was preaching when he was talking about people repenting of their sin, that they were attacking him, that I showed you the video of earlier. He goes on, verse 16. So then, it is not of him that willeth. How do you like that? Yeah, John says the same thing. In fact, um, I'll pull that up in just a second. That, yeah, I'll tell you what, let me, let me just do that right now. Because um, it, should, it should come up pretty quickly. So John says the same thing in his gospel, okay? Um, he says this, and I'm going to go back to Romans here in just a second, but just to show you that the message is not different as to what's going on. In John chapter 1, verse 12, But as many as received him, who's the him? That's Jesus. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born... And he's talking about the new birth, because he'll talk about that over in chapter 3, which are born not of blood, so it doesn't have anything to do with your pedigree, nor of the will of the flesh. See that? Nothing to do with your will, nor of the will of man, but of God. And that's exactly what Paul is writing about here. He says, verse 16, So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth. You can't exert yourself enough to somehow obtain God's mercy and and Christ's righteousness. You can't do it. But of God that showeth mercy. Why? Because it ain't about you, man. It ain't about me. It's about glorifying God. God is not an idolater that he's going to hold up little man, his creature, like stupid men do when they make idols out of wood and stone and metals, and they worship them. They have eyes, but they see not mouths. They don't talk, ears, they don't hear. God is not like that. God is not an idolater. He doesn't look at you as this, this thing to be adored and all this other, and worshiped. Now, he does for his creatures that he might be worshipped, that he might be glorified, that he might be exalted. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up. Oh, did you get that? Pharaoh was raised up for a purpose. I, I love this because the guys who come out and they say, God has a wonderful plan for your life. What was God's wonderful plan for Pharaoh's life? Oh, it was to destroy him to show how powerful he was and to demonstrate that he would judge sin and he would judge the idols that men erect. A lot of those plagues that came on Egypt were attacks on their gods, their alleged gods. Pharaoh had a purpose, and God said before he sent Moses in there, I'm going to harden his heart. Wasn't Pharaoh's choice? I mean, Pharaoh wanted to harden his heart. He had already been doing it all his life. Don't get me wrong. God said, I'm going to permanently harden it so that I'll be glorified in it. And that's what he says. Listen to what God says. Verse 17. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee. 
and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. It wasn't about Moses. It wasn't about Israel. And it even wasn't about Pharaoh. It was about God showing what a mighty God he is, that he is the one true, living, awesome God, the creator of all things. Verse 18, Therefore he hath mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth. Now let let me let you in on something. If you're an unbeliever out there and that does not put fear in you, that you are utterly lost and incapable of being reconciled to God to do anything to please Him, and your destiny is utter destruction under the wrath of God, I don't know what would do it. But God has hope for you, too. Or I have hope for you. That's why I'm telling what I'm telling Because until men shut their mouths and stop making excuses, stop talking about their will and how powerful they are, and making excuses for their lawlessness, they will never hear the gospel of grace. Never. Because they're too busy trying to justify themselves. So if you're one of those people, hang on. There's good news coming, okay? There's good news coming. Thou wilt say unto me, this is verse 19, Why doth he yet find fault? For who has resisted his will? Nobody has. Nobody's resisted his decrees. This is his what we call his secret will, the things that we don't know. The secret things belong to God. He hasn't revealed those things to us. And everything that happens in this life, doesn't matter who it is, whether it's an animal, a person, the weather, whatever it is, happens because God has decreed it that way. Okay? But many people have resisted his revealed will, haven't they? They've all violated his law. Go read the Ten Commandments. If you can stand there and say, yep, I kept all of them, well, nice try, but uh, you just broke one by lying, not telling the truth. So we look over in back in Romans, chapter 9, and he says, Paul doesn't even answer the way I just answered. Listen, listen to what he says. Nay, but, O man, who art thou to repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the, power, the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? What if God, what if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering? The vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. There are some vessels that are made for destruction. Peter and Jude both reference false teachers whose end was marked out from the beginning. Same thing was true for Judas. Remember, he's foretold, he's prophesied in the Old Testament of selling Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. And Jesus said it had been better if you weren't even born, boy. Verse 23, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory, even us whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. 
and he goes on from there. There's there's more that we could do there. That's the meat of the matter of what Paul's argument is. Is he's led up to this. He's even brought what we call the golden chain of redemption uh, in the previous chapter. Give that to you because I know some some people will pick up little bits here and there, and uh, I, I want to make sure that that I kind of cover that. This is the golden chain of redemption. This comes in the previous chapter. Remember, there weren't chapter and verse when this was written. It was all one letter, so there's a context, and you guys know how I'm about context, okay? So this is in, just in the previous chapter of what's going on. And this is kind of what I just read is sort of an expounding of what Paul has given in Romans chapter 8. And there he says, and we know, this is verse 28 of chapter 8, we know that all things work together for good to who? To them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Now let me ask you something. If you're in Christ, all things, even if they seem bad, work together for good, for your good. Okay? But let me ask you something. If you're not in Christ, what's the obvious result of that? All things are working together for bad for you. Doesn't matter if you get a job promotion, if you make a million dollars, if you fly in a private jet, if you're trying to depopulate the world and sell out vaccines and make 10 to 20 percent. It doesn't matter. That's working out for your bad. Why? Because the Bible says you're storing up judgment for the day of judgment. The wages of sin is death, and God will mete out the payment. He'll meet that out. All right, so we see in verse 29, he says, For whom he did foreknow, and this has nothing to do, by the way, with God looking down through the corridors of time like he's looking through a crystal ball and see who would choose him, and he chooses them, has nothing to do with that. He foreknew because he decreed it. God always knows. It's not like he you know, came to some kind of conclusion he is, he is all-knowing. We, we use that term, right? He is omniscient. He is all-knowing. Nothing surprises him. This is why we have... And I don't want to use a lot of theological terms and get off, off things. This is why we have people like open theists who think that God is learning things, and then he adapts to those things. Nonsense. God knows all things from the end to the beginning, in fact, is what the Scripture says. He knows the end from the beginning, not from the beginning to the end. He knows it all. For whom he did foreknow, and these are people, individuals, he also did predestinate. Oh, some people don't like that word either. That means to determine a destiny beforehand. And what is that destiny, Paul says? To be conformed to the image of his Son. Who's his Son? The Lord Jesus Christ. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. We have been, those of us in Christ, have been made brothers of the Lord Jesus. And we can look to our Father in heaven and thank Him for that. Moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He called. So all this stuff here, this foreknowing and this predestining, that happened, you know, over there in where we read in Titus. This was part of the promise that He made with the Son, right? Before time began. Then in time, what happened? Them He called. 
Those he predestined, right? Those he foreknew. He called them in time. And whom he called, what did he do? Them he justified. Well, what does it mean to be justified? Well, Abram was said to be justified because he believed God, right? He was made righteous. I, li- I, I do like the concept of just, you can read, remember, just as it, I've never sinned. In other words, I've been made clean. I've been um, given a righteousness that's not mine to where my lawlessness is no longer exposed. In other words, my lawlessness has been done away with Christ on the cross. Now I have his righteousness. And whom he justified, those he made righteous before God, he reconciled them back to God, them he also glorified. Oh, that's, that's out in the future somewhere. That we're going to be made, when we see Christ, we'll be like him. Perfection. Out of the power of sin, out of the presence of sin, forever. What shall we say then? Or what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? This is why there's no need for us to fear. Because God is with us. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? How shall he not do that? Let me hit just a couple of small passages here. Um, because I think they touch on them. And there's there's plenty of others. This is just kind of, I guess, a primer on this particular subject that people need to they need to they need to grasp. They they really need to grasp this. I, it gives you it, it puts you in awe of the Creator in what He's done. He didn't just leave a choice up to men. He did it all. He did it all. This comes from 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. How do you like that? That's right out of there, out of Romans, what we just read, right? Romans chapter 9. Through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. There you see it. There's the working of the persons of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept, I like this, not by yourself, not by your faith, any of that stuff. You're kept by the power of God through faith and salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You're not only are you brought by God to the Son, you are kept. Remember that old song, He'll keep that which I've committed unto him against that day? That comes right out of Scripture, too. Um, that's, what, that's where that is. That's where that is. You say, Tim, how, how can I partake of this? How can I feed on Christ? I, I'm, a, I'm a sinner. I did, what do I do? Paul has something to say here. This comes from 2 Timothy Chapter 2, 
He warns Timothy, he says, Flee all youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes, and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. If God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Listen, if you want mercy, you can have it. You can. But you don't know how bad I am. Well, you don't know how bad I was. You still don't know how bad I am. I'm a work in progress. Doesn't mean that I'm not right before God. That is a judicial statement. It's like when you go to the court and you've been declared innocent, okay, then you may you may go out and you know, whatever, break a law or whatever, but for that thing right there, you've been cleared. Okay. I don't lead people in prayers. Because I believe, just like what Jesus had uh, in, the, in the parable he talked about, about a publican and, um, and, and a Pharisee in the temple. The Pharisees, oh, I'm glad you didn't make me like that guy down there. Lord, I know you love me. I'm just a cute little guy, and I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. And the publican's over in the corner just weeping and beating on his chest going, have mercy on me, a sinner. See, it's not about what the words that you say. It's about what is the attitude of your heart. Has, it, has that stony, cold heart been taken out and you've been given a new one that's fleshy, that you have your conscience before God and you confess your sin, you acknowledge that you're unworthy of His mercy, but you plead for it anyway? If that's the attitude, that's the attitude of somebody who is converted. It really is. And if you're still in rebellion and you're still cussing at me right now, saying, oh, you're going with the genie in the sky and you're proclaiming all that, well, okay, fine. Go your way and see if it doesn't turn out the way the Bible says that you're going to turn out. But the message is for you to repent, to turn from your sin, and to submit yourself unto God. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved. One final thought, and this has to do with with God's sovereignty in things. This comes from Genesis chapter 50. You remember Joseph's brothers, they sold him into slavery. They were jealous of him. Joseph becomes a picture of Christ, actually, by the way. And they sell him into slavery. He goes down to Egypt. He's there by himself. He gets uh, falsely accused. He gets thrown into jail. Uh, he helps people. They forget about him. Um, and ultimately, he comes up to warn of famine that's coming. Seven years of good that's plenty, and seven years of famine that's coming. And as a result of him doing that, you know, he's set up second under Pharaoh, and he's in charge of the granaries and stuff like this, and he's able to not only save his own family, but he's able to save the people around uh, not only in Egypt, but around Egypt. And uh, one of the things that uh, is interesting is he does this little play with his brothers when he figures out it's them to come for food. And finally, he gets them all in one place. 
and he demonstrates that it's him. Now, a lot of people have a lot of different ways of how he did that. Some believe that um, he showed them that he was circumcised, that he was one of them. That That's what some people believe. Whatever the case may be, they realized it was Joseph, the, the brother, and they wept for what they had done. And here in Genesis 50, here's, here's what we see. Uh, Jacob has died. And in verse 15 it says, And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us, and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, The father father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin. For they did unto thee evil, and now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of of the servants of God, of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him, and his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. To bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore, fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. Oh, friends, listen. If you're a person who's broken over your sin, your sin against man and your sin against God, I have news for you. If you are repentant, if you are broken over your sin and desiring to turn from it, then what you had meant earlier for evil, now God is going to use for good. He's going to use it for good. See, the same actions that Joseph talks about, you guys, in your heart, you meant to sell me into slavery as an evil thing because you hated me. But God used your evil intentions and your evil actions to do something good. Romans 8.28, right? All things work together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Here's the question I have for you. Have you been called according to His purpose today? I can't answer that. Only you can. But I hope that this helps you understand. Sorry, got stuff going on in the background there. Somebody's mixing something up. Okay, so um, with that said, my hope is is this, is that you do come to Christ. My desire is that all men would come to Christ. I know that's not going to happen, but my desire is that. And you say, well, that's God's desire too. Well, not really. Read 2 Peter 2 again and follow the pronouns there. And you'll find out that he is patient and long-suffering with those for whom he gave to Christ. That's who he's patient with. Okay? But here's the thing. If you are a believer, you have nobody to give glory to except God. That's it. Sola de gloria. All glory to God. Catch Bradley at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com, and Lord willing, we'll be back with you in the morning 
at 6 a.m. Talk to you then. See ya.